what's up y'all respect the chat podcast episode 116 oh yeah long awaited return of the respect the chat man we've mm-hmm. been crazy busy on my end i know ryan's busy on his end frankie and rich is still absent oh yeah we gotta search for them we did find <laughs> frankie though we did he, he is in florida he is newly engaged so congratulations to him it's instagram there we official, go so we could talk about it on the podcast right mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely congratulations yeah. frank and jess oh yes oh yes you got a little friend in the background there when they post the uh the cats there walking around a little bit so we'll we'll see <laughs> tight roping the, oh. the the bed frame i haven't noticed she was in here <laughs> this, is, this is luna yeah, Luna's, uh-huh. in, Luna's in the building. For all you YouTubers who support us on YouTube mm-hmm. and watch us there, you can always check Respect the Chat out on there. Like us, subscribe if you could. Leave us a comment, things you want to want us to discuss or something like that. But like I said before, um, we're just busy guys, man. We're just really trying to maneuver time to do this podcast. A lot of things happening in sports. Not so much crazy things happening in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Football ending, MMA still going on, obviously. Basketball playoffs coming up. Uh, UFC always in full effect, so we can always talk about that. But just me with having um, uh, my son being born, now he's two months old, almost three months actually. Um, Ryan busy and working and doing his thing out in Pittsburgh. So we apologize for the long um, uh, drought, but we're here. And whenever you get an episode, listen to us. Um, all our fans who always hit us up, um, hit us up again. Let us know what you think about these episodes, and we'll continue to try to carry on here. And I know Rich wants to get on at some point here. Mm-hmm. He just got to find time himself. So how's everything been going on your end out there in Pittsburgh? You know, things are good. I've been chilling, um, working a lot, like you said. Weather's getting a lot nicer now, too, so things are starting to – you know, Pittsburgh is starting to feel a little bit, a little bit more normal. Uh, a lot of places – you know, with the vaccine stuff open, uh, making things open, uh, people are out and about again. So it, good. it's good. It's been good over here. Uh, busy, like you said. Like, we apologize, you know. Uh, but we're back. Episode 116, NBA playoffs, UFC, we're back. We're going to try and, you know, you know, every time we come back, we try to be back for a little bit. You know, we don't try to be back for one episode and <laughs> then you never hear from us again for another month. So we're going to try and be back for a little bit now. Definitely. Um, we may, the thing about it is, is that it's when you have jobs and you have mm-hmm. regular life and podcasting is not your main outlet, you have to find time for it and you mm-hmm. have to try to figure it out. When we first started this, all of our you know schedules meshed well with me, Frankie, and Rich. And when, when we brought Ryan on, you know, and I moved out here, you know, moved out of where my parents are and where Frankie and Rich live, it was, became a little difficult. And me and Ryan started doing, obviously, the Zoom sessions um, and, and put them on YouTube and stuff like that. So we're just trying to juggle a bunch of different things and trying to get episodes out there. We love talking about sports. We feel like we have a really keen eye and perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And, um, a, you know, one that, like, has been years of either playing sports, watching sports. We all like different teams. We all feel differently about um, different type of um, events that go on um, in sports with, you know, UFC. Some of us know more about that. Some of us know less. So, you know, hang with us, stick with us. We love you guys and appreciate you guys. Ryan's going to walk us through the NBA 
awards and playoff picture. So let's oh, discuss yeah. that first. Oh yeah. So we we just wrapped up the regular season for the NBA. It was a you know crazy season like every NBA season is. Whenever you think you're going into an NBA season, you're like, oh, I wonder what's gonna go on this season. It always there's always some sort of surprise and some twists. So I'm a first. I'm a first start out with the regular season uh, awards. So mm-hmm. um, we'll start with the coach of the year, uh, and then we'll work our way, you know, to all the way down to MVP. So coach of the year, the three finalists are Quinn Snyder mm-hmm. of the Jazz, Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks, and Monty Williams of the Suns. Who do you think from those three is? Who do you think is going to win it? And who do you think will win it? Man, this one to me, when I look at these, is like is like the hardest of all the categories. Oh yeah, because Monty Williams did amazing things in Utah. I don't think anyone thought that Utah would be two in the West. You know, finishing the year, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, yeah, Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix. I'm sorry, Phoenix. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, DeAndre Ayton, those guys, man, really good, but two in the West. Yeah. The West is very tough. Oh yeah, Utah maybe six, maybe you know five, six, seven around there. Maybe playing in the in the you know the playing tournament game, but oh my gosh, unbelievable season for Monty Williams and those guys, Quinn Snyder, um, and Utah. Now <laughs> now we're on the right thing. They played unbelievable. Losing Devin Booker late in the season hurt, and I think it's gonna hurt them. Not Devin Booker, Devonte. It's uh, the no coffee episode. Oh my gosh, Donovan Mitchell. There we go. Donovan Mitchell losing him late in the season. Um, may hurt as the playoffs begin for them. But just looking at the year, great year by Utah, great year by Phoenix. But to me, the coach of the year has to be Tommy T, man, and the New York Knicks and (laughs) what they did. I don't think anyone thought, especially me, a New York Knicks fan, thinking that the Knicks would finish in fourth place. I don't care if it's the East or the West. I know the East is a little more down than the West always, but – Fourth place for the Knicks, man. You know, Julius Randle played an amazing year. We'll talk about him coming up in a little bit for, you know, comeback player of the year. Is that what he's up for? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, most improved. Most improved. Most improved. Just, Which is like just the NBA's un- version. Right. Just unbelievable, man, what he did with this team and this franchise that has been looked at as so terrible. And I don't think anyone thought that the 2020-2021 season would be the year that the Knicks would finish in fourth with the squad that they had. Mm -hmm. There's no superstars on that team, though I think Julius Randle is ascending into one of those very quickly. Um, But to me, it's got to be Tommy T in the New York Knicks. What do you feel? Yeah, uh, I mean... I'll start off with that. I, I think that the job he's done there has been incredible. You just you could just tell, um, and this is coming from a notorious Knicks hater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Knicks fan. I because I grew up around a ton of them, mm-hmm. and um, it's usually stuff like this where it's a season coming in and you're like, oh, the Knicks are not going to do nothing. Knicks are not going to do nothing. And then the one season they're right that the Knicks are actually going to do something, they won't let you hear the end of it. So. That should never be, though. Let me just put that out there. If you're a Knicks fan, which I am, you should not be pumping up <laughs> your chest, puffing up your chest and pumping up your squad right now. Take it with a grain of salt. Be humble about it and be happy. And let's start moving on towards <laughs> better better days. So relax, yep. Knicks fans. This is great, but relax. So I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely changed that whole culture there. They play hard. like, And, of course, Tom Thibodeau, uh, being a Bulls fan, uh, it led yeah. us to our last playoff um, playoff run. 
So I, I know the type of coach he is. He, he's very, very defensive-minded, very hustle, onto the next play, play together as a team. So the job he's done is phenomenal. To me, though, it's got to be Quinn Snyder. Um, with Monty Williams, what he did with the Suns and how that team has been looking is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, very impressed with the two seed in the West for the Suns. But to me, the, the way the Jazz have been playing this regular season – and it's weird. I've watched a ton of jazz games, and I feel like most casual fans haven't done that that much because I'm seeing a lot of stuff on, you know, when I talk to my friends about it, I'm like, no, these j- the jazz look a lot different this year. And I could be wrong. They could prove me wrong in the playoffs because we all know how the jazz play in the playoffs, even though mm-hmm. even when they look good. Um, but this year, they, they remind me of, of, like, the 2011 Spurs. Like, they just move the ball find the right guy and everyone can shoot when it's their time and mm. they have scores like you said donovan mitchell going down late could definitely be um a big factor there but he'll be he'll be playing in the playoffs um right. but to me jordan clarkson uh and joe Ingles have stepped up big time big time oh. in his absence so and rudy gobert playing you know at the top of his game as well uh, so to me, Quinn Snyder has got to be that guy because he led them to a number one seed in a very difficult Western Conference and has them playing like I haven't seen them play ever. So definitely, to definitely. me, that's the NBA coach of the year. Definitely. So I'm going with Tommy T of the New York Knicks, and Ryan is going with Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. Can't go wrong here. Yeah. I think all three of these guys did a phenomenal job. Absolutely. So congratulations to all of them. Whoever wins, man, that's awesome. So let's next we're going to move on to something we already mentioned, which is the NBA's most improved player, the MIP. The three finalists are Jeremy Grant of the Pistons, Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets, and Julius Randle of your New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about this one? This one seems pretty wrapped up, no? This one seems wrapped up for me uh, because I've seen Randle play more than the other two guys have played. Um, what he's done with points, rebounds, and assists are just crazy. I don't know if you have those stats, but it's like mm-hmm. he's double you know, he's double figures in points and rebounds, I believe, and I think he has like six assists or something like that. It's crazy the year that Julius Randle has had mm-hmm. and what he needs to shoulder in every one of these games that he plays in. He is the main guy. His team finished in fourth. These other two guys, the Nuggets and the Pistons, not great seasons. I think Porter um had a great year, and Jeremy Grant, great year. But I think when you talk about most improved player, you got to look at the player and look what they did for their team as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at the um, MVP, we'll have to look at those things as, you know, as well to determine the, the MVP. But at least for the most improved player, I got to go Julius Randle. If I was going with this because of his points, rebounds, and assists and where the Knicks finished, that's why I go with him. Um, Jeremy Grant, though amazing player man i didn't realize he had this potential Mm -hmm. to be this type of guy um no one really around him in detroit detroit is in disarray over there and i know he's doing everything he can to try to hold that team up and michael porter jr just continues to get better year after year i don't think he's on the level of these two guys yet Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go julius randall for most improved player yeah i like it uh to me that's that's the guy uh, you were mentioning his stats. 24, 10, and 6 is what he averaged this season. Oh, yeah, man. Right around okay. a triple-double. Um, 
just the improvement is what if you take a look at his former his past seasons he's never ever been able to perform this way and in the beginning it kind of looked like a fluke because mm-hmm. we all know what well, we thought we all thought we knew how Julius Randle could play but you you think about it more and you go in and he's got that mindset where he's just working he's relentless work ethic and maybe something clicked in his offseason workouts this summer or he, he found a new trainer or something, but something clicked for him, and he's definitely playing completely different than he's played in the past, um, and he's tuned up his game to be more versatile as well. So to me, Julius Randle, I think that's an easy one. With respect to both of the other two, I feel like it'd be a lot tighter of a race if Julius Randle didn't lead a terrible Knicks team to a four seed. Correct. Um, well, on paper, you know, a terrible Knicks team, and in the past, a terrible Knicks team. But he- well, I think you hit on a good point there, too, of, like, something changed. Mm-hmm. Training regimen, what he was eating, mm-hmm. who he was dating. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. The mental. But I think a big part of right. I think a big part of it is Tom Thibodeau. I think Tom put him in a position this year to be that guy. Um, Tom, like you said, he did with the Bulls, too. He makes those guys play. You got to play. If you're going to play for Tom Thibodeau, you have to play every night hardcore mm-hmm. basketball man you got to go out there and you got to ball and you got to play as a team and i think julius randall led his team i think he stepped up for his coach i think he stepped up for the new york knicks you know the the double double the, the, i mean um that was it what was it 20 you said 24 10. 10 and 6 yeah oh my gosh man wow. that's that stat line the average for him unbelievable and it and it and it resulted in wins. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was doing those numbers, and his team was where Detroit and Denver were. Um, Denver should have been better. Denver definitely should have been better. And that's not on Michael Porter. That's on you know a couple other guys, but and a team altogether. But gotta go, Julius Randle here. Very impressed. Oh yeah. So uh, we move on to to the next one. That's you know got a little bit closer towards the end, mm-hmm. but I think still might be wrapped up and that's the rookie of the year um the three finalists are Lamelo ball anthony edwards and tyrese halliburton of the kings um i want you to answer this one first because you had two of these guys on your fantasy team so you know really you know what it comes down to here Mm -hmm. in um you had halliburton and you had ball right on your fantasy team oh yeah so i don't know for for some reason when i think fantasy I draft I feel like I draft really good rookie potential when I draft same in football um mm-hmm. I had a bunch of good rookie rookie draft picks um for my fantasy football team so the fact that these two guys are in the top 3 for finalists makes me really happy um Ball I wanted to draft but I ended up trading for with you and then Halliburton I got late but uh, in terms of their season I think LaMelo Ball has done an more than enough in the beginning to late of the season, but then he went down with that really bad injury that mm-hmm. kept him out. Um, and in that time frame, Anthony Edwards skyrocketed. He was dropping oh, man. crazy games, you know. But I think to me, Lamelo Ball did it, leading, putting the Hornets in a position to play for a play-in. Then when they lost him, um, you know, they kind of fell down a little bit down that ladder, but. In my opinion, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he's he's up there with them, but it's to me it's Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's stat lines, he he's contributed in every single fashion. He was very 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 efficient. When the ball got to him, 
he was ready to shoot. He was ready to make a play, and he always did. I felt like he was always making the right plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that guy, that guy's going to be a deadly, deadly player in I'd say two to three years, just from how pure his shooting is. Yeah, um, he he's got a little bit of an ugly form, but it's just beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, and he's always ready to shoot. But to me, I go Lamelo Ball, um, and that's. That's with all due respect to Anthony Edwards, who made it super close at the end when he had his time to shine. Um, but it's just to me the difference between the Hornets making the play in versus the T Wolves being, you know, where the T Wolves ended up at towards the bottom. Um, what did they finish? Like the 11 seed? Something yeah, like somewhere. 12 seed? Yeah. Some, yeah. Somewhere near the bottom. Um, but. These, I'm really excited about the future MDA just from this little list because this was supposed to be a, a, a lot of people, a lot of critics, a lot of NBA analysts, you know, whatever we call that. We're not projecting this to be a strong, um, to be a strong draft class. And yeah. you can go through the draft order if you took a picture of the of the first and second rounds, and you go through, you could see it. I'd see 60 to 70 percent of names where they're making an impact on their team right now. They're mm-hmm. in the rotation. They're playing big minutes, and the other ones who aren't are right on the cusp or have an injury. Yeah. So, what do you think about about rookie of the year for this season? No, I agree, and that's what I was just looking up. Um, in case anybody sees me looking to the side on this YouTube thing, I'm looking hmm. at the stats myself because I think it's a two man race. I think Hal Burton did great, and I love the potential that he gives um, the NBA one and the Kings two. Uh, you know, I really like to see where he's going to go from here. I love. What the what these young guys are doing in the NBA? The NBA is in good, really good hands. With that being said, though, I think it's a two man race. I think it's Ball and Edwards. Um, it was Ball and Edwards from the jump, from the draft. Those two guys, man, you know, the two most exciting guys that people knew had a lot of potential, mm-hmm. but didn't know how their year would look. Um, Ball fifteen, five and six this year, and Edwards was nineteen four and two. So they're right there, mm-hmm. you know. And I agree with you. Anthony Edwards made this a rookie of the year race that you're like, man, is Anthony Edwards going to win this? Yeah, is Anthony yeah. Edwards going to win this rookie of the year? Because Ball went down. But I think if Ball doesn't go down, Ball shows us even more of a reason why he slightly will edge out Edwards. I, I got Ball winning this. Mm-hmm. Um, he could do everything. He could shoot. He could... He could lead a team. He could pass the ball. He could play some defense. Um, very exciting player. Could do a lot of different creative things. Anthony Edwards is so explosive. His shot has gotten better and better as the year has gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, his He probably has the dunk of the year. Oh, yeah. um, just an unbelievable race between these two guys. One that it was great to see. I'm going to go ball, but I think Anthony Edwards made a really good push um, for this rookie of the year. Um and moving forward, man, I am very excited about what both of these guys could do. So I'm going to yeah. go ball as well. All right. All right. I like it. Um, so the next one we move on, we got three left, three categories left. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is the NBA six man of the year. Uh, and that's with two jazz players. This is, is, is remind me of those Clippers days with Trez and, and Lou Will. But this time it's Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, both of the jazz, right. and Derek Rose of the New York Knicks. Yes, sir. And, and my man, Derrick Rose is my favorite player um, in the NBA. Um, he always has been, even with the Bulls, mm-hmm. all the way from Memphis. So one would think I would go Derrick Rose here. But I wanted to ask you a question first. How how does a team get two 
six man of the year candidates. How does that how does that happen? There's yeah. only one guy that comes off the bench, right? There's only one guy who's the six man. How's there how's there two? So the way I like I said, I've been watching a lot of jazz games. Yeah. When they make that first substitution, it's either Joe Ingles who goes in half the time, Jordan or Jordan Clarkson that goes in, or they come in together at the same time. So there's wow. no way to like differentiate which which dude comes in first because they either Jordan Clarkson will come in right away or he'll come in after Joe Ingles or Joe Ingles might start sometimes uh, depending on the injuries. But usually when they come off the bench, they're coming up at the same time or they're alternating who's first. But to me. Jordan Clarkson is is the sixth man of the year, is the true sixth man of the year from mm-hmm. f- for that team because he one he he rarely gets the start in, unless there's you know a big injury or sitting um they're sitting for rest or something like that. Which and Mitchell when, got hurt, right? Did he come in and start to start a little bit? So that's when Joe Engel started uh okay. started starting. I saw Joe Engel started playing point guard, which wow. was, which was very weird, but he was doing a good job. He was averaging like six, seven assists. Okay. So, um, yeah, that, that's just what I saw from that. But to me, Jordan Clarkson, the scoring he gives them off the bench, the versatility he gives them off the bench with how quickly he could put up 20 points with very mm-hmm. few minutes. Um, but it, it's kind of like a Lou Will situation where he comes off the bench, but he's he's playing like a starter. Uh, he yeah. He's in the starting rotations with, like with one or two guys out. It's just – plugging him into but to me it's Jordan Clarkson uh Derek Rose did a did a great job this year with the Knicks as well uh very good to, it's great to see him you know f- finding his role in a team when you know he could be like the superstar the what if guy mm-hmm. but he wants he's an NBA player he's a winner and yeah. he, he wants to fit in where he can so I really applaud him for for taking that role and he's doing a really good job at it and I agree with you I, I'm going Jordan Clarkson as well this was really the easiest one for me. Um, Jordan Clarkson, when he checks in and they're televised games and I'm watching, I know that this guy's about to go off, you know. He puts a spark to that team offensively, defensively, running the floor. He doesn't, you know, he helps the team not miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Um, When Donovan Mitchell was out, they just continued to play well. Um, He continued to play well. He's another guy like Derrick Rose um, that could be a starter maybe somewhere else or even on the current team that they're on mm-hmm. and still put up the same numbers. Um, I want to pull both of these guys because I, Derek Rose too, man, coming over from Detroit this year, going over to the, to the Knicks for the second stint. Um, he, he was at the Knicks before, but this time coming off the bench, um, playing a role that he's usually, you know, that he's, that he's kind of like eased himself into over his career so far because he's been such a superstar an ex MVP. Um, unbelievable player Derrick Rose still is. Unbelievable. And I think the Knicks leveled up when he went there. So that's what made this hard for me. I think the Knicks took another level up having a guy like Derrick Rose come off the bench, especially with the injuries that the Knicks suffered at that point guard position with Quigley, right? Mm-hmm. He got injured a couple times this year. Um, Peyton got injured a couple times this year, and Derrick Rose really helped out during those times in that crowded backcourt of the New York Knicks. But I agree. Got to go Jordan Clarkson. Um, that was really the easiest one for me out of all of these. All right. All right. Yeah, uh, definitely. And we move on to uh, the next one, which is another front runner is a Utah Jazz player, uh, the mm-hmm. NBA Defensive Player of the Year. 
Uh, and that's with Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and then Rudy Gobert, who to me is leading the charge and has been leading it all season. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, I look at this and I say, which one of these guys on a nightly basis goes out there to stop the guy that they're going against? Mm-hmm. And where a team has to say, man, this guy is is a is a rock on his team. He ain't going to let us score in the paint. He's going to make it difficult, you know, to get shots, you know, off on him and, and things like that. Um, I got to go Rudy Gobert, man. I, ben Simmons to me has, you know, he steals. Yeah, he has his steals. You know, is he locked guys down? I, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the type of guy he is. Um, a lot of Philly fans and group home Greg and all them are going to be <laughs> hitting me up. I know they are hating and I'm not hating. I'm just saying Rudy Gobert, man, is levels above the rest of these two guys. Draymond Green has, I've seen this stat, 444 points, 449 rebounds, 558 assists. That's a great season mm-hmm. for a guy like him. But it's not defensive player of the year to me. Yeah. You know, it's really not. It's It, it doesn't do what Rudy Gobert has done for Utah. Mm-hmm. And man it just makes it look even better for you and the coach of the year um with two six man of the year candidates yep. and a defensive player of the year candidate coming out of Utah so to me it's got to be Rudy Gobert he's been so dominant all year he goes out there and he makes defense his priority and he does it very well oh yeah oh yeah for sure and he was averaging he's averaging around right around 3 blocks uh, a game and I don't think a lot of people hear that number, and I don't think they understand how crucial three blocks per game is. You, you're saving your team, on average, around six points minimum per game with just stats. Mm-hmm. So that's not including, you know, your pressure, wall up, you know, get a hand uh, on a guy and contest a shot. That's not counting all that. And to me, when you watch the games, when you watch them play, uh, it's very you can tell it's very very difficult for teams to uh, penetrate and and have easy layups. There's no real easy layups unless he's not on the floor. Or if he's you know they drag you, you see teams start trying to get the stretch big men to try and drag him out of the paint more. Try and drag mm-hmm. him out uh, when they play uh, when they play the Jazz. So I agree with what you were saying about Quinn Snyder. It looks really good on him when he has three candidates up, uh, two for six man and one for defensive player of the year and he's probably going to get two winners as well so crazy that moves us to you know a lot of people's most important uh NBA award which is the Kia NBA MVP most valuable player I just love I kept reading over and they had Kia in front of all of it because of the sponsorship (laughs) and I just kept glazing over this time I had to say it's the Kia most valuable player uh, and that's Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. What do you What do you think about this race? I've heard a lot of different things. I know. I'm trying to look up like the stats um, of what these guys did, and I think that's important. But you know, let's look at it like this. You know, Philly is first in the East, right? And Joel Embiid has really played lights out basketball, man, oh, yeah. all year. I couldn't have been more wrong about a guy. Um, as I am about Joel Embiid, a very impressive. The more I watch him, um, it's he's exactly what all the Philly fans say he is. Um, 
he's developed a game, an outside game that's really comparable to Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, mm-hmm. with the ability to shoot the ball from, you know, the, the, the corner of the paint, you know, a little outside of the paint, shooting threes, picking rolls, man. It's crazy what that guy could do. Oh, yeah. Um, Jokic is an all-around big man to me. He could do every single thing. He can even do the things that I think – um, Embiid can't like run the floor, which you don't expect the big man to do, and, and and they don't need to do. But I'm just saying that put him puts him a little bit above Embiid to me. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's really hard because also Steph Curry is in this mix. Made a huge push, you know. James Harden was oh, yeah. here when we talked earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. The injuries stopped that. Kevin Durant, the injuries stopped that. Uh, there was a LeBron James, the injuries stopped that. AD might have been in the mix, but injuries as Lillard. well. So. What Lillard? Yep, it's it's been it's been an up and down year with the MVP race. Steph Curry is playing lights out basketball. Steph Curry, I think, has been playing lights out all year. Mm-hmm. He's got nobody on that team. He is the MVP of the Golden State Warriors. That's definite. Is he the MVP of the league? That's hard for me to say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he definitely makes a really good push for it. But to me, it's between the two big men this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go Jokic. I think he did enough all year long, stayed healthy all year long, played a lot of really good quality basketball. I know Denver didn't finish where they should have. Um, and Philly finished high in, you know, first in the East. I just got to go Jokic, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, uh, I agree. I definitely think that it's a really really tough race this this year and different guys have made different pushes at different times and to me the most consistent one throughout all that uh was Nikola Jokic I feel like his name was in it from the very beginning was in the mix with MVP talks and it stayed in the mix until this very uh to this very day that they're about to pick um awards at the end uh I think that to me, Jokic is the MVP from what you said. He can run the floor, and he gets his other teammates involved really well. Like, he does more than just dominate what he does. He gets his other players involved, gets them comfortable. And like I'm saying with um, with the Utah Jazz, if you see most improved players, Michael Porter Jr., I think a lot of that has to do with how well Jokic has been able to instill confidence in his guys by getting them good looks, uh, finding them in the rhythm. And just pushing the floor when you you don't really find like a big man who looks like him moving like that and wow. and being that agile and he's not fast he's not athletic but he he uses his body well and he changes speed re- very well and he has really good vision and I think this is this is his year for the MVP award um, and if it wasn't him to me it's Embiid like you said the two two man race as well as Steph Curry has he got the scoring title that's exactly what you know yeah. to me. That's his MVP for this season. The I scoring agree. title is what he earned. That's what he did. He scored. He kept them in games when they shouldn't. He won them games when they shouldn't. But all around, MVP is an all-around thing. It's a team, also a team thing. And to me, it's it's Nikola Jokic. Yes. Yeah, so that's so that's all the NBA regular season awards. Um, that moves us right, in, right on time to talk about the NBA playoffs that start today. Oh boy! Today, oh, the boy. playing tournaments are done. We yep. got all the seeds, and and it starts today. I'm a I'm a read you off. Start with the East. Yes. And I'm a read you up all the matchups. We'll start with the one eight matchup. 
It's the Philadelphia 76ers at one versus the Washington Wizards at eight. What do you what do you think about this matchup? How do you how do you feel that the uh, how the play in tournaments went that Washington is is snuck their way into the playoffs? Yeah, I you know I like the play in tournament. A lot of people don't. Um, I think it gives teams opportunities who wouldn't have them in the past. Mm-hmm. I think it eliminates tanking, well helps it at least um, of teams who are so low. It'd be awesome because there's going to be a year, right, where a team wins a player in tournament and then goes all the way to the finals. Oh, That's yeah. going to happen yeah. eventually. That's not going to happen in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Philly, Philly's too too good to have a team like Washington beat them. Washington doesn't have enough. Westbrook plays out of his mind. Uh, Beal is awesome. But other than those two guys, Philly has more firepower. Um, on the court with their starting five, the guys coming off the bench, no one on Washington can stop Embiid. He could have a huge tournament. He could have a tournament. He could have a huge series mm-hmm. against Washington to get him started and to get Philly started. I like this matchup to get them warmed up. To me, it's a warm up for for Philly. Um, shout out to Philly and all their fans and what they've accomplished getting number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you play Washington. This is a game. This is one that you win. I think they. What is this? Best of seven, right? Yeah, yeah. Best of seven from here on out. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's a sweep. But I think Philly. If there's gonna be a sweep in any of these series, I think this is the one, at least in the first round. So I'll go out there. I'll put my neck out there, which I usually don't for Philly and for <laughs> Philly fans. All right. Um, but I will, and I'll say the 76 is sweep Washington. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, same thing that you were saying. I don't have I don't have a ton to add to it because that you, you nailed it. I, I'm really I like the play-in tournament. I think that it allows teams, you know, because at the end, uh, if a team is like in around that 10 seed and they start realizing they're too far out to make an eight seed, they start sitting players and they start, you know, dumping off their guys, getting ready for the next season. I like that this adds a little bit, you know, of a March Madness factor to it where you have to win those one-off games. You have to perform under pressure um, or else a team who should be in, you know, you could be kicked out. Uh, yeah. and, and I like how they give the advantage to the people who actually made it so you get two chances. The mm-hmm. seven and eight seed, they play each other. Winner gets seven. Loser has to play again to get eight. So I like I like that they give you multiple chances. So if you lose two games, there's no excuses. You you got swept in the play-in tournaments. No excuses for that. But the specific matchup, I agree. I got to go with Philly, obviously. Um, I think that maybe it's in five. Maybe Russ and, and uh, Brad Beal put together a fine enough performance to get them one game. But I think... I don't think that they can carry that for the whole series. I gotta go in five. If not, if not the sweep, then it's then it's in five most. So okay. uh, I got Philly for that one. Uh, next matchup, two seven, uh, Brooklyn Nets versus the Boston Celtics. Ooh, we what a what a rivalry this could come out to be uh, right? with with the hatred for for Kyrie from Celtics fans for some un, unknown reason to me. Yeah, of course. Um, to me, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be a really really good test of of the Brooklyn Nets, and not not a test like the Celtics are gonna test them. I want to see what they all look like playoff form. That's the test to me. I just exactly. want to know what they look like. 
Exactly. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that this was the matchup that they were saying to themselves, oh, man, like this is not really the team who you kind of want to see? Because Brooklyn hasn't gelled together, right? So I think if they were going to play, just say Washington, right? If Brooklyn played Washington, that could be a series where they can get warmed up and they can get that, you know, cohesiveness for the first you know, for the first series and then go on from there. But they're playing Boston, who's gonna, who's not going to make it comfortable for you to gel together and for you to start building that camaraderie. Because let's be honest, Harden and, and Durant and Irving haven't played many games together. Mm-hmm. Now they're playing Boston, who hasn't lived up to their potential either, but can cause a lot of problems for a team that hasn't gelled yet. I really like this series. This is going to be one of those where it's like, let's go. Every time that they play this, I'm going to be watching this series from start to finish, unless it's a blowout and, you you know, you could change it right away. But this one is real. It's hard for – I think Brooklyn wins. I think Brooklyn wins. Um, Man, I don't even – I can't even give you what the series is going to be. I'd like to hear what you're going to say first, and I could try to base it or copy off you. Okay. that but i think brooklyn wins um but boston's gonna make it difficult boston didn't live up to their potential i don't know if kimba walker has to leave um and it just needs to be tatum and brown um they got they made some trades you know in the middle of the year for some guys evan fournier and uh homeboy from washington the other big guy oh yeah is that him who went over there too uh from from where oh from chicago luke cornett's there Yep. Um, Did someone from Washington come over? Uh, yes. Uh, I can't remember his name. We'll get it. We'll get it. Uh, Mo Wagner? Four- Who? No, it wasn't Mo Wagner. We'll get. We'll get it. No, we'll get it. But it, it was someone from him, a good shooter, uh, Evan Fournier. You know, maybe those guys start to play a little bit better once the playoffs come, have a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Boston. I don't know what Boston's doing. I don't know what's going on with them. They went from being a really good team to just like kind of like. A confused team. To me. Oh yeah, I don't know what's going, but I got Brooklyn. I don't know what the series is going to be, but I got Brooklyn, and Boston's going to make it difficult, though. Okay, yeah, I without without getting too into it, I I think that this is going to be a very very good display of of the superstar power. I think that everyone coming in, I think everyone's healthy, everyone re- ready to go for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I'm really, really worried about how the Celtics have been playing. Um, I was nervous that they were going to lose that playing game, uh, mm-hmm. but they they won it, and they're here against the Nets. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are going to sweep the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I'm going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are in four games. Will do. They'll, it's, they're going to get up on them early three. Uh-huh. Three to nothing, and then that fourth game is going to be a tough one where they're fighting to not get swept. Pretty much, um, wow. I think that they, with all with all due respect to Brad Stevens, who could figure some something out. You know, I think that's the X factor is the coaching, mm-hmm. um, and maybe the lack of experience on Steve Nash's part in, in terms of coaching. But he has plenty of guys around him that have a plethora of playoff experience coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to me. Uh, to me, it's a sweep, if not five. I, I don't f- see a way where the Celtics can do enough. The only the only caveat I put to that is if Kemba Walker steps up and plays like Kemba Walker should be playing. Um, he stepped up in that in that playing game. 
and I think Jason Tatum needs the needs that help. I think J- Jalen Brown needs that help. I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough at all. Uh, Celtics so, shouldn't be in a in a play in game, right? That, with, with with that squad that they got, right? Exactly, and I, that's exactly what I was what I was going to say next is that if you if you look at that roster and you look at the coaching and stuff, what has changed? I don't really see any major differences besides the fact that they're just not playing well. They're they're having a down year, um, and they're not playing together. I don't think. I think that the formula with Tatum and and Brown is going to continue to be that dynamic where they're the main guys, but they're, I think adding Kemba Walker kind of adds that, that aspect where they got to play more together. Um, so to me, it's nets and four. It's nets and four for me. So, okay. so okay. based off that, what do you, what do you think this series could come to? No, I, th- I think Boston takes one game. Okay. I think they take one game. I can't see them taking more than one for some reason. Um, so I guess I would have to go what Brooklyn and five. Yeah, all right, all okay. right. I'll go Brooklyn and five. If yeah, if I wasn't if I wasn't going with the sweep, I go with five. So we move on to the to the next matchup, which is the three six matchup yeah. in the East, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. Ooh, this is another good one. This is a this is this is the one that I'm keeping my eye out for in the East. Oh, yeah. Of I don't know what's going down. Um, so I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you run through it first. What do you think? You know, Milwaukee proved that they're still a top level team in in in, in the East, you know, and their players have continued to step up to put them in a position each year to have a good seed going into the playoffs. Except this year, they found themselves at the third spot. Mm-hmm. And Miami right there to play them is oh, yeah. not the team you want to play Mm-mm. going into the playoffs. Not last year and not this year. Definitely. Miami plays basketball, man. They go out and they ball. Jimmy Butler doing his thing. The young Bucks over there still playing well. Bam doing his thing. It's This is not a team you want to run into, you know, if you're Milwaukee at all. Um, I don't want to say it. Uh-oh. Feel this is the upset. Oh wow! This is the, this is the upset to oh, me. Oh right? man! I say Miami pulls off a upset against Milwaukee, sends Milwaukee home in the first round, and I don't know why people would be shocked about it because I think Miami is that good of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and once it's playoff time, Miami plays ball, man. You got to be able to play that up tempo. They're gonna play lockdown defense. They're oh, gonna yeah. go really hard. All game long, can Milwaukee do that? It's going to come down to if Miami could build that wall and yeah, stop yeah. Giannis. You know, mm-hmm. is Chris Middleton going to step up really big? I, you know, that that's going to be a big factor as well. Great series, really happy to see how it goes. Obviously, we'll be coming, you know, with more episodes as each game happens, and we'll be able to see more. But initially, before this starts, mm-hmm. I got to go Miami pulling off the victory. I think it Ooh. goes seven though. Okay. It's- it's game seven. All it right. goes a full seven. It's no clean sweep. It's not anyone, you know, they're not winning any more game. They're winning one more game than Milwaukee is. Okay. And, I like it. Milwaukee. I like it. So I'm going to leave you guys on a bit of a cliffhanger here. I'm going to let oh. Mike give you a quick commercial break before I give you 
my picks because this cat is crying up a storm because her dad is not here and I have to feed her. So I'll give me 30 seconds, quick commercial break, and I'll be right back and to give you my analysis of this game because this is going to be a good one. Go ahead. And, you Come know, on. for everybody out there, man, it this is like one of those series where you have an MVP in Giannis. You have a phenomenal player in Chris Middleton. You have Holiday coming over, providing that point guard and defensive stability. Um, the bench of Milwaukee has always played well. And then you look at Miami. You got my man JB, Jimmy Butler. You got Tyler Hero. You got Bam Adebayo. You got a heck of a squad to match up against Milwaukee. And you got a heck of a squad to match up against Miami. You, you know, this is, these are going to be two teams who are going to bang and drag this one out. I really, really think it depends on what Jimmy Butler can do. Can Jimmy Butler score 20 points a game? Because that's what I think it's going to have to be. 20 points a game is what it's going to have to be to beat Milwaukee. I think he can do it. So that's why I pick Miami. Um, and Ryan's back, man. Hopefully I did well with that commercial break. <laughs> Let's go. Sorry about that, guys. But she was whining in my ear and scratching at the door. No problem. But we're back. And... Man, this series to me, mm-hmm. I agree, goes game seven because it's going to be intense. Mm-hmm. Let me take a sip of this. Go for it. And we've seen the Bucks in the past. We've seen them in the playoffs, and they've yet to impress any of us in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the Heat have, you know, they've done their work. They did it last year in the bubble. To me, Milwaukee scrapes by in seven in this one, but the Heat push it to seven. I think that what you were saying is completely spot on. When you're playing the Heat, you got to play fast. You got to play together. You got to stop transition because they get out and run. And I think that maybe this could be the year where the Bucks make it to a conference final. Oh. If. Oh, I stopped. Let me scratch that because they're, they would have to play the Brooklyn Nets next, and that is not true. They would have to play the Brooklyn Nets next if they won. So let me scratch that. If I saw them playing Philly, I think they could beat Philly. Yeah. Um, but with the Brooklyn Nets being their next matchup, if they both win and move on, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not having any confidence in them to do that. But I think they scrape by here against the Heat. I think they're going to be challenged. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to be, you know, Worn down on the road. Uh, I think that Miami takes those road games and they might even steal, uh, well, their their own home games and they might steal a road game. Yeah. Um, but to me, uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee in seven. Okay. Um, that leads to another really close matchup. And I, I think I already know your opinion on this one, but <laughs> it is going to be a good one, which is the four and five, two teams who... You know, you haven't seen in the playoffs in quite some time. Oh, yeah. That's the Atlanta Hawks and the Ooh. New York Knicks. The four and five seed, Knicks the four, Hawks the five. Uh, this is going to be a battle, I think. This is going oh. to be a battle. What do you oh, yeah. What do you think about this one? All right, so just so I can get this guy's name right, and he was on my fantasy team, and now I can't remember his name. Who's um homeboy in in, in, in Atlanta? Obviously not Trey Young. John not Collins. Collins. Not John Collins. Who's who's the two guard? Bogdanovich. 
Bogdanovich. Okay, that guy's going to cause problems for the Knicks, bro. That guy could play basketball. That guy could shoot. Mm-hmm. That guy could drive. That guy could do everything. He, oh, yeah. He's dangerous, man. He's very dangerous. I think he's going to pull, you know, pull, poised. He's poised to play a good series, I think. And I think he can cause a problem. But I think the Knicks are too physical um, for Atlanta. And this is the team I wanted to play. So as a Knicks fan, mm-hmm. um, I was hoping, don't, don't get Miami. We don't want Miami right mm-hmm. off the jump. Let's get Atlanta. Let's beat these guys up because I think we're more physical. I don't think any one of them match up well with Julius Randle. Um, John Collins may try to, but I think he's too small for a Julius Randle. And I think Julius Randle could match up with John Collins. He could do everything John Collins can do. Um, Trey Young can go off, and the Knicks, you know, got to figure out an answer for him. But I think throwing multiple defenders at him, um, and in particular the super athletic Derrick Rose, I think that's going to really help them in frustrating Young. Mm-hmm. Um, put him on the floor a couple times. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. love Trey Young, but put him on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, let him drive a little bit and put him down. Let him know you're there. I think the Knicks' physicality, though, um, overcomes Atlanta. I like Atlanta. I like what they do, but I just think they don't have enough to beat a physical team-oriented squad like the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Julius Randle. I think he's going to play a phenomenal series. Yeah, um, that, I think that was spot on. I think that I don't know who's going to win this series, mm. um, but it is going to be a battle. And I think that the Knicks win in that defensive category, that physicality category. Um, but to me, the the Hawks have a lot of depth as well. I, they have a lot of scoring depth. They, I'm, I'm looking at their roster right now. Could could you could you take a wild guess? How many of their players average over double digits? Because oh, man, let me see. It's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, the only the. I would say three, but obviously it's more than that. So if I'm going to take on more than that, I'm going to say double that. I'll say six. Try ten. Wow. Ten players average more than ten points on their team. Insane. Wow. Trey Young, 25. Collins, 18. Bogdanovich, 16. Capella, six, uh, 15. DeAndre Hunter, 15. Gallinari, 13. Horter, 12. Cam Reddish, 11. Lou Williams, 10. Crazy. Wow. Crazy how much scoring depth they have on this team. I think that this is strength against strength. You know, the Hawks can score at will, but the Knicks play a hard-nosed lock-in defense. I think if the Knicks slow it down and those games go, you know, with the under total, those are Knicks wins. If it goes over the total, I think those are Hawks wins. So this is going to be a close one to me. I think this one goes seven games as well. I think this is a seven-game series, um, and I'm going to give it to Atlanta. Um, I'm going to give it to Atlanta. I think the Knicks earned earned their spot here for sure. Um, I don't know if they have – I'm interested to see their playoff mentality. Um, I'm Neither of these teams obviously have proved that they can win playoff games. But if I'm, if I'm just giving it to a coin toss here, I think that the scoring of the Hawks will – will wear down the defense of the Knicks over a seven game series. I could see that. If it's a if it's a maybe five game series, three game series, uh I think the defense holds up. But to stop a team like this seven games in a row from scoring, uh is gonna be a tough feat. But it's gonna be a close one. I, I can I will not be surprised either way of how it goes. I say five two Knicks. 
Okay. Next, next five, they're gonna, they're gonna grab those five wins. Um, I think it goes six games. Okay. I think they, I think they, they, they in, in six they beat him right before it goes to a game seven because a game seven, bro, could be anything. And yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> All I'm right. So Knicks in six. I like it. I like it. So that moves us right over to the Western Conference. Uh, let's start right away with the one one and eight seed, which this play in tournament was crazy for the West. Yeah. Was crazy. Yeah. Um, the the Grizzlies fought super hard against the Spurs. Um, they they squeezed out that game. The Warriors Lakers game was insane. Oh. Uh, incredible game, and then. That Grizzlies Warriors game was equally as intense, equally oh, yeah. as incredible. Um, so, so Grizzlies got that eight seed, and they'll be playing the Utah Jazz one eight. Uh, how do you how do you see this one going? I think this is one of those ones again, like Philly and Washington. Mm-hmm. I I really think Utah is a superior team. It's going to take a lot to beat them. Is Mitchell going to be back for game one? Uh, that is a good question. I know he'll be back this series, though. If he's not back for game one, he'll be back for this series. Okay. Depending either how long way. it goes. Okay. Either either way, I like I like Utah. Um, I think it's Utah. I Memphis is good. I could they win one game? I don't know, man. I really don't because mm-hmm. Utah is just so good defensively, offensively, team ball. They hustle. They run up and down the floor. They could slow it down. They could do everything. It's like they're, they're that Swiss Army knife to oh, me. Yeah. You know, Utah. They got the coach. They got the full package over there, man. Um, oh, man, I hate to say sweep in this series because I think possibly, nah, sweep. All Utah. right. Utah on a sweep. All right. I like that. And I'm, I'm reading reports now that might that might add to that, that it looks like Donovan Mitchell should play game one. Um, sweep. So, so if that's the case, if Donovan Mitchell's playing this whole series, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the Grizzlies fought really hard in the play-in tournament, and sometimes when you give your all in those tournaments, you know, in those one-off games, it, it, you kind of let yourself down a little bit uh, when it comes to a full-out series because you're used to giving your all for one game, and seven yeah. games is a long time. They, um, they played two games, right, to get to that. They, they, had, to, they had to beat... Um, the Spurs first, San Antonio, mm-hmm. and then they beat the Warriors. But they didn't beat both of those teams like convincingly, no. convincingly. Um, so now you're playing a top of the line team, man, mm-hmm. where you can't make any mistakes. Oh yeah, you know, especially in the playoffs. But you can't make any mistakes against a team like Utah. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go with the sweep as well. I think this is this is the one eight sweep where they get them out of there and they get rest for the second round because they're going to have a battle no matter who they face in that second round oh, yeah. because we go down now to the two seed we'll do the two seed uh suns lakers which i i feel so bad for the phoenix suns i don't think that it's as crazy as people are making out to be but imagine you you play this crazy of a season uh mm-hmm. you go this hard and then you just happen to get matched up with lebron uh by luck of the draw from what happened uh, with their, I don't even want to call it tanking because they were injured or resting, whatever. Such a bad injury he had. Um, but what, what do you think about this series? Because I, I think it'll be interesting. I think it's gonna be very interesting. It's weird that it worked out this way. I agree as well. But Phoenix is a, so good. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is such a good team. Mm-hmm. Solid. I I I look at you know I hear analysts like. Man, the Lakers are gonna gonna be favored. The Lakers are gonna you know win this series. Man, no, no. <laughs> From my perspective, not happening. Yeah. CP3 will not let this happen. 
Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, they match up well with these guys. Phoenix has players, man. Oh, yeah. They have very good players. Uh, you know, L.A., we've seen what happens when you lose both of those guys or even just have one of those guys. It, it, it's not good for them. So they're still working out their kinks as well. They're a little rusty coming back from two injuries of star players. Will they be ready for this series? I don't know. I think Phoenix catches them, catches them early, wins their games, steals one in L.A. I really love Phoenix. I like Phoenix in six. All right. Yeah. Wow. I see. I was I was going I was going down the same route, but I thought I would have been going down a different route um, mm. because I, I completely agree. I think that there's just a little too much hype around how, oh, wow, the – the Lakers, you know, they're a seven seed, but it doesn't matter what seed they are. You don't want to run into the Lakers. So yeah, it's true. LeBron, no matter what, LeBron is going to make something happen, which yeah. is why I think that this game is going to go as far as it. But I, I agree. This Suns, these Suns are ridiculous. I think that this is a, this is their season to, to show what they could do and how far they've come in just one season. Yeah. Um, the but, Suns dominated the regular season. I know that was without LeBron or AD or in yeah. any of those games. If I don't, even, it was you know something like that. But yeah. it doesn't matter. Phoenix knows how to play this squad. Add those two guys in, and Phoenix is still going to play Phoenix ball. Yeah. The Lakers are going to get caught up in what Phoenix is doing, and they're going to get thrown off. And I feel like you're going to see a Lakers squad that's a little disheveled and can't get it together early on in the series before Phoenix takes a good enough lead where then they could steal one in L.A. and they can close it out. And listen, in my opinion, this Laker team without Anthony Davis and LeBron, and sometimes even just without LeBron, is not even a playoff team. Yeah, I agree. They, it could, they could be, without both of them, they're like a lottery team. If we saw how many games that they they tanked at the end of the season with both of them out, going from the three seed, the four seed, all the way down to having to be in the play-in tournament and face Steph Curry just to get into the playoffs. And hit a three when this guy yeah. seemed different rims. Yeah. And he shot at the middle one. Cool. Hold on. Can I just talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please do. Listen, listen, LeBron James fans out there, you know that your boy Mike P always, I don't want to call it hate because I don't hate. It's just I have uh, criticism. Mm-hmm. We'll call it criticism for LeBron James and whatever out there. I don't care what all these LeBron James fans say. Like now I'm starting to hear them say this guy's acting a little soft and babyish. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, really? Now you're shooting at the one in the middle. I'm watching the game with your sister the other night. Yeah. He's like, what did he just say? <laughs> Three rims and shot at the middle one. Are you kidding me? Like, come on, man. Why are you saying stuff like that too? Just silly. Just silly. He's got the most dramatic faces I've ever seen in NBA history oh, yeah. when he gets fouled. He can't be touched, that guy. He's, he, like, breaks. He's he's so frail. <laughs> and what the funniest part about it to me is is that they went to the monitors to discuss that if it's a flagrant foul. And they're quick to give out that flagrant foul. They're very yeah. quick to oh, give yeah. that out. And even they decided, yeah, no, common foul. Common foul. No. No. So come on, dog. If there was any unnecessary contact, if there was anything dirty there, they would have called it right away. It's the playoffs. They're setting a tone here. So, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And with, without this, without them, uh, and even with them playing the way they've been playing, I, I agree. I think the Suns might catch them here, still trying to figure things out. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that moves us to the next series, which is another 
crazy series. It, I mean, this is we're just getting the best matchups. Trailblazers, Nuggets, the Oof. three six matchup. This is to me. This is crazy. This is going to be so close. I don't know how this is how I'm going to differentiate these two, but keep this in mind. No Jamal Murray for the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the Trailblazers here. I think the Trailblazers with Lillard making that trade of getting Norman Powell in the in the middle of the year. Um, CJ McCollum is playing really good basketball. I don't think. And I really like Denver, and I said it previously with Jokic, with you know Murray now not being there, mm-hmm. um, Aaron Gordon coming over, and the team that they have. They have such a you know, Michael Porter Jr. They have such a solid squad in Denver, but I just think that the Trailblazers are gonna score a bunch of points in this series, and it's gonna be hard for Denver to keep up with that over an extended amount of games without Jamal Murray. If Jamal Murray was there, this would be a, to me, this would be a Denver win, Denver would win this series. Mm-hmm. Without Jamal Murray, though, over a seven-game series, I think that hurts you because you need that extra scoring. You need that superstar, you know, part of it, part of, you know, the game that he has to put you over the top in a couple of these close games. So I just think I, I I think it's Portland. I think it's seven games though, um, but I like Lillard coming out of this one. Oh, okay, all right. I it's like gonna it. Hard, it's going to be hard for Portland to stop the big man mm-hmm. in an MVP and Jokic. I think that's going to be very hard. But I think they could do it with enough to win the series team wise. Mm-hmm. It's got to be team defense on him. You Absolutely. know, let let the other guys beat you, but don't let him kill you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just real quick, I wanted to say I got Suns and Six on the last one too. I don't know if I said it, but I agree. Nice. No, you didn't, but good. Okay. Suns and Six. But um, this one, oh my God, I don't even know what to do. I think that Jamal Murray being out is huge. It's really mm-hmm. set. It makes me sad as an NBA fan because this series just would have been that much crazier uh-huh. with Jamal Murray. Uh, I wanted to see, you know, how we can carry over his playoff performances from the bubble, uh, mm-hmm. see if, you know, it's just a bubble thing, or if he play, if he shines in those moments. Um, but to me, I I gotta agree. I, I think that the Blazers um, are good. At, similarly to to what I said about the Hawks, that they can just score at will, and their guard play is just that crazy. I think that the guard play here is is gonna do it for them. Uh, I think that their big men uh, are gonna have to do a team job, like you said on Jokic. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be very interesting to see how they utilize Jokic in this series because there there's no there's no one on the Blazers that can move like Jokic can and is his same size. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be very interesting how they use him. I think he's going to do his thing, put up his numbers. I think Michael Porter Jr. will get some, you know, get some shine in there as well. Mm-hmm. Big plays. Um but I got to agree. I got the Blazers in hmm, I got the Blazers in 6. Okay, the Trailblazers like in six. So, okay. uh, we move on to to the next series, which is another repeat nightmare for for the Clippers. Uh, it's the it's the four or five matchup between the Clippers and the Mavericks, and they just so happen to get Luca again. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about this one. I don't know what to think about the Clippers. I don't know what to think about the Mavericks either. Uh, this is this is pretty crazy. Uh, the matchups we keep getting in the playoffs. So. What what do you what is your opinion on how the series is gonna go? I think the Clippers just got 
a little too much firepower for for the Mavericks. Um, I don't think the Mavericks have addressed their lack of scoring mm-hmm. to help Luca. Luca is going to do his thing. He's going he's going to be phenomenal the whole series. Um, but it's hard to go against a team like the Clippers with, with Kawhi, with Paul George, you know, and and the rest of those guys over there who can score enough, you know, plus the hustle that the Clippers bring with Beverly um, and um, and the Morris brother that's over there as well who can extend the floor. They just got a lot of weapons, the Clippers, man. They can beat you a lot of different ways, and then they just sprinkle in <laughs> two of the best players in the NBA. Who? Mm-hmm. How do you stop both of those guys plus what the Clippers could bring with the other players? And Mavericks just don't have enough, you know. They just don't have enough firepower to throw back at them. Luke is going to do his thing. I think it's going to be an interesting series to see how the first game goes. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is going to tell us a lot um, about what the Mavericks are ready to do. Oh, man. But I don't – I. it's definitely not a sweep. I think the Mavericks win a game or two. Mm-hmm. But – Oh man, I want to say I want to say Clippers in six is what I'm going to say. Okay. Clippers in six. All right, I like it. Yeah, I think that I think that the the Mavericks have a lot a lot more developing to do with yeah. their other players. I think that Luke is always going to carry them to a certain point. Um, having Porzingis over there obviously helps a little bit, and um, I think that those role players really need to step up if they're going to want to have a chance in this series. Their role players need to play better than they have in the past. They need to step up, and when the ball gets to them, they got to be ready to make a play. They got to be ready to shoot. And to me, the difference in the Clippers this season is is their pickups. Um, having Rajon Rondo now, I think, is going to be really, really critical for them in these in this playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's something that gets overlooked when when we think about how many players they have, how many solid players they have. I think we, we tend to forget that they made that move and how crucial Rondo has been in, in different teams' playoff runs, like the Lakers last season. Yeah. Um, but I I got to agree. I got the Clippers in this one. I think they have too much firepower. I think the only only thing that, that could stop them is themselves. I think that if Paul yeah. George goes back into his playoff shell – that he likes to be in in the past few seasons where he doesn't even know what's going on. He's not playing basketball. He's he's daydreaming on the court, shooting off the side of the backboard. But um, I think that Kawhi and the rest of them are just a little too much this season uh, for the Mavs. And I got to give it to the, to the Clippers in six as well. I mean, if, if not five, if not five. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that too. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Did I miss anything? That pretty much wraps up. That's everything. Yeah. Pretty much wraps up both both sides of the playoff bracket. This is going to be one of my favorite NBA playoffs in recent history because the bubble was so good, yeah. and now we're we're getting back to fans and stuff, and we're getting back to what what an NBA playoff should feel like. Yeah. And I think that we were so happy about the bubble because we got something, and yeah. it was really good competition. 
it was insane like what we get to see, got to see but i think that the atmosphere and the traveling and the home games and the away games is going to make a big big difference with who can shine on any given night so um, that's exactly it that's yeah. exactly it. You, you hit it on the head you know we were so happy just to get playoff basketball at the bubble and it was so exciting but now all those factors that play into these series are mm-hmm. back fans travel oh yeah you no know, home court advantage these things you know bench players playing better at home than they play on the road so, stuff like that you're gonna start to see all these storylines come back and i couldn't be happier i'm so excited for the nba playoffs oh yeah absolutely so we'll definitely be coming back to you guys each week we'll make this happen because it's playoff time and me and ron i love basketball so we're going to be coming um, each week with updates how series are going you know, maybe our minds change about what we said, but these mm-hmm. are just early predictions without seeing both of these teams. Um, I mean, all these teams playing yet. So right. let's jump into a little UFC before we wrap this up, man. Wow, UFC is continuing to throw Crazy. out matchups that are unbelievable cards, fight nights, uh, you know, uh, pay per views. It, it just everything. keeps getting better, too. Everything they touch is gold, man. Absolutely mm-hmm. gold. And we have a new champ. In the lightweight division, mm-hmm. Charles, Charlie O, Oliveira, Du Bronx. Du Bronx. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know where where nickname lovers? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Nickname lovers. Do you know where Du Bronx comes from? I believe so. I believe that they said in Brazil, right, in, in Portuguese or something, mm-hmm. um, that they would say he – I don't remember the exact story, but I know I believe he's like from the ghetto. That's what yeah. Du Bronx is, is like the ghetto. He's from the ghetto or something like that. The favela, if I pronounce that right. <clears throat> oh, yeah, the favela. The, the favela that he lives in, that's what it's known as the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So Charles Du Bronx, man. I was wondering, I was like, where does this come from? What is this nickname about? And then <laughs> they said it, you know, and I was like, all right, that makes sense. So it's after the favela that he lives in. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now, with that being said, and him being the new champ, Michael Chandler could have easily been the champ hmm. it, it either you know he wins it by ko charlio in the round two 19 seconds in you know boom boom hits him with two big shots um and puts him out and ends the fight but michael chandler had him hurt in the first round had him down and michael chandler just needed to rain on him and michael chandler would be the new lightweight champion 155 pound champion in the UFC but he's not he couldn't finish him in the first round it goes to the second Michael Chandler comes out and I just think he looked a little I don't want to say gassed but to me he looked a little overwhelmed with the first round Mm -hmm. and that he didn't finish him and he needed to work himself back into round two I feel like he needed to play some distance get himself comfortable in there calm himself down you know put push that adrenaline down a little bit don't get too gassed out and i think he would have you know went to work again Mm -hmm. because standing on the feet michael chandler is so powerful he got out of a chokehold in the first round he got out of some real trouble in the first round that charles Oliveira had his back it didn't look good and michael chandler came back and hit him with big shots i think he felt everything that charles Oliveira had to give him and charles Oliveira didn't break and Chandler broke in the second round. And mm-hmm. I just think, yes, he got caught with a really crisp right hand. But I think the left set that up from Charles Oliveira. Hurt him first before he could throw that in there. But Michael Chandler, man, to me, had it wrapped up in the first and just couldn't do it. 
but it's great to see Charles Oliveira as the champ. Oh yeah, for sure. And and we've we've discussed this before, and it's like I I really like this little streak that Charles Oliveira is on. I think he's been really dominant during this streak, and this was one of those fights where, like you said, it looked like it was going Michael Chandler's way early on, and and we've discussed how how Michael Chandler thinks that that Charles Oliveira once you get him in a bad position, you know he he tends to give up the rest of the fight. That he thinks that. Um, he doesn't have that ability to bounce back, and I think that he might have he might have actually taken himself a little too serious on that one, where he thought that he was done, and he just came out in the mentality in the second round that he was like he felt that he already won, that he just has to come out, you know, and it's over. Mm-hmm. But you you still got to fight these these guys are champions. Like I don't know what film he was watching in the past. It must have been before this this insane run that he's been on, but he. He must he must not know how much he's evolved since then, mm-hmm. because in in this what does he have the longest active win streak now in the UFC? Or it's close. It's it's tied with it's like second. Yeah, it's close. I know he has most submissions mm-hmm. in UFC history. Because um, he's on an eight or nine win streak. Yeah, it's something I think crazy. Kamaru dude. Usman might have the might have the longest active win streak. And Edwards was up there before that no decision, mm-hmm. um, pretty recently. But yeah, he I mean he's up there, man. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think that for me, Michael Chandler might have been underestimating his ability to to recover from from his shots, and uh, at, at the end of the day, Charles Oliveira was the one with the belt around his waist, bringing it back to the favela. And I'm really okay. interested to see him versus any of these other contenders now, because now I think we really get to see the the true power of the lightweight division, how many contenders there really are. I think that belt is going to jump around a lot. Because before, like we said, it's a deep division, very deep division. But Khabib was always that one who was just a head and shoulders above everybody else at the top mm-hmm. that you never really got to see the true potential of that division because th- everyone be fighting, fighting till they hit Khabib and then you know what happened from there. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think this I think the belt is going to flip flop. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a time where we've seen a belt be so dominant for a little while with a guy in Khabib, like you said, everyone working their way up and then coming to a complete halt because the champ just had such a lockdown on the division. Mm -hmm. And now Charles Oliveira wins it. And what does he get to look forward to? Either Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor or Justin Gaethje. Um, Goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. That's the guys you get to look forward to. Um, I think they're talking about Chandler Gaethje is in I think they're trying to get that worked out that's a fight I would love to see we don't know yet if Connor and Dustin will be for the number one contender I think if Dustin wins he definitely gets the shot at Charles Oliveira Mm -hmm. which is great because this is what we talked about before Oliveira and Chandler was was a great fight to have for the vacant belt because none of these guys have fought the rest of the division it's wide open again now you know if you made it Dustin, there would be, you know, there would be, you know, who's he fight? Connor, he fought him already. Who's he fight? Gaethje, he fought him already. He fought a lot of the other guys yeah. in the division, too. So, you know, I think this gives a fresh start to the division, but I think it also makes it a very interesting division. I think if Dustin wins, he gets the title shot. I think if Connor wins, he gets the title shot because how do you deny Connor McGregor a title shot yeah. after he wins against Dustin Poirier, to who me is the number one contender? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you fight Gaethje versus Chandler. I really like that. And then you you know the rest of the division starts to fight itself out because Islam Mahakachev is is on his way up too. He's got a fight coming up as well. 
Um, a lot of the guys they're saying in the division are dodging him, but there's a lot of guys in that division, you know, who Hooker, you know, had a C factor in mm-hmm. at some point here. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Um, I mean, there's t- there's tons of guys. Uh, uh, Just at the top, of the, at the top, it's those guys though, right? Dustin and Connor, uh, Dariush, Benil Dariush. Darius just won, yeah. so so he he can play a factor in there as well. But I think it comes down to Connor or Dustin um, getting that number one contender spot with this fight coming up here, and then that's who Charles, Charles Oliveira said he's going to be in attendance for that fight. All right. So um, I think that puts a little more fuel to it, and I think the winner of that gets it. And in the meantime, they do Gaethje and Chandler, and then those guys could work into the winner of you know whoever Dustin or Connor fights Charles. They they have that set up. I think this is going to be able to. These matchups are going to be great. Oh yeah, in the light oh, yeah. in the lightweight division. We won't get to Connor and Dustin yet. We have a couple more fights to do that before we could predict that. Um, I did want to ask you about tonight's fight though. Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. How do you see this going? I, I like this fight a lot. Um, and the the funny thing is is uh. I believe Cody Garbrandt's a, a local guy around Pittsburgh. He's he's um, he's Ohio. He's from Ohio, so yeah. So he he trains a lot. He does a lot of training in Pittsburgh. And I've met a couple guys who have been in like the gym with him. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, it goes to Rob Font. I I think that I think that uh, this is going to be electric. I think that both of them could could have some power that they don't really you know you don't really look at them and and see these guys as knockout artists um went by their stature but uh but they are but they are for sure exactly so uh to me i'm giving the edge to rob font tonight i think that cody garbrandt after his last performance is uh definitely going to be a problem because he's quick he's got quick hands as well but we also seen that he can go out pretty quickly himself so um, what do you, what do you think about this one? This one is this one is is scare is nerve wracking and scary to me for Cody because mm-hmm. if Cody loses, what does he do? Yeah, you know it, he he was on a three fight losing streak, came back and beat Sansal in spectacular fashion. Yeah, and now he's got a really dangerous fight in Rob Font, and it's funny you say that you got Rob Font because I do too. <laughs> I think Rob Font is so good mm-hmm. and he can overwhelm Cody and Cody doesn't do well with being overwhelmed. Now what can save Cody is his counter striking. You know, Rob Font, if, if he comes in in previous fights and he's swinging, you know, with a barrage, Cody, all he needs to do is step back mm-hmm. and boom, he could strike quicker than anybody could. Just like his last fight. Just like his last fight. And it could end up where Cody then is skyrockets. Cody mm-hmm. wins his fight. He skyrockets to that number one spot. I think he gets, you know, he gets the challenge for the belt after we, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with San Hagen and Dillashaw, mm-hmm. which had to be pushed back because Dillashaw had an injury, a cut that he, that couldn't be, you know, he couldn't compete with having that cut. So yeah. I think that makes this title, you know, picture a little foggy because you still got to wait on Jan and Sterling. But for just looking at Garbrandt, he needs to win this fight. Mm-hmm. And that makes it dangerous to me because I, I, though I think Font is going to win, I could definitely see Cody pulling off a spectacular knockout, 
you know, off of a counter strike. Mm -hmm. But what if Cody gets bum rushed and Font starts hitting him? We've seen Cody go down. His jaw isn't the best. And if he becomes overwhelmed the right way, Rob Font has to be meticulous in how he attacks Cody. Yep. He can't rush in. It's not like rushing in on other guys. Cody hits you harder and strikes faster than anybody in that division. Mm -hmm. You have to do it meticulously the way Dillashaw did it. Because you see when Dillashaw kind of was lacking for a second, he got caught. When guys lack for a second against Cody, they get caught. Mm -hmm. When guys take their time against Cody and then strike at the right time, you know, with with a barrage of punches, yeah. he becomes overwhelmed and, and Rob Fine has a lot of power. And yeah. he can knock him down too. Man, this is a good one. Because the rest of the fight stink on this card. Oh, yeah, for this sure. Is a, I'm going to wait up for it and I'm going to watch it's it. It's an NBA playoff type of night where you got to throw on – the main event when it gets to it correct it's <laughs> nba all night and then when the when the when it hits okay now let's watch you know yep. i watched the jack hermanson fight i'll check that out um because i'm just interested in and in, in him and edmund shabazian i like that but there's no other really fight on that card that i'm looking forward to so mm -hmm. definitely man right i guess i gotta go i'm gonna go rob font all right i'm gonna go rob font um i don't know how but I really like this fight. I really, really like this fight. Absolutely. Okay, the last one I just wanted to talk to you about really quickly before we wrap up. Okay. Is the 263 card. You don't even have to pick a winner. I just want people to get ready for this because it's soon, right? Oh, so I'm getting Font, ready. Font and, and, and Garbrandt is this Saturday. Yep. Next Saturday is Rosenstrike versus Sakia. And then after that is 263, June 12th. Oh, yeah. Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Damian Maya versus Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Now, let me just tell you. Not only is this a great card that's coming up, we got the style bender. Oh, we yeah. got the Italian dream. <laughs> We got Leon Rocky Edwards. Oh, yeah. We got Nate. I don't think Nate Diaz has a nickname, but you can give him whatever you want. We got the real, we got the, remember the name Muhammad. Does Figueredo have a nickname? He does, but I forgot what it is. I'd he, love to know. And Brandon oh, does. Reno has one too. I'm going to find, I'm going to find it real quick for you guys. Cause All right. find it real quick, but l listen out there. If you're a UFC fan or if you're, if you are June 12th, is a one of the biggest cards you'll ever see in UFC history. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Two title fights, one at the middleweight, one at the flyweight. The welterweight fight against Edwards and Nate Diaz has potential to one of those winners maybe fight Kamara Usman. You know, this is going to be a crazy, crazy card. Did you find them? Yep. So, so, um, <laughs> so, Davison Figueiredo. Is, his nickname is G the God of War in Portuguese. So it's like okay. Deus de Guerra or something like that. Oh, Deus de Guerra. I like now, that one. Now, are you ready for Brandon Moreno? Because you're going to remember it when I tell you. Brandon, the assassin baby Moreno. The assassin baby. Come on That's now. Great. That is, great. is this not the nickname card or what? Let's go. This is the nickname card for sure. 263, the Italian dream, the style bender. 
the god of war. What is it? The god of war? Yeah, the god of war in Portuguese. <laughs> and the assassin baby. The assassin baby, Rocky Edwards. <laughs> Remember the name Muhammad. Man, this is going to be a great one. The UFC is in, on absolute fire, man. <laughs> um, I think that was really it at this point for UFC. I know we got oh Whitaker, Gastelum. Uh, we talked about that already, I believe, though. Whitaker Gaston, mm-hmm. we talked about that middleweight division has something coming up here. Oh, that that's the that's the style blender versus Marvin Vittori mm-hmm. um coming up. But I think they just made another fight. Darren Till versus you know who Till's gonna face? They just said it, man. Who the heck is it now? Um Wow. Or Cannoneer. No, it's somebody good, man. I was like, man, this is a fight. Mm-hmm. Bro. Polo Costa's coming Polo, up fighting. I think it's Polo Costa versus Cannoneer. That's what Polo I saw. Costa versus Cannoneer. Mm-hmm. Till I can't remember who Till's fighting now. I think wait, I think I might have it in my pictures real quick. Let me check this out. Till Till versus Derek Brunson. Oh wow. Yeah. Good fight. Good fight. There we so go. that middleweight division, man, looks really good. Um, the lightweight division looks good. Mm-hmm. The, the the bantamweight division looks good. The UFC is on fire. Tune in, check them all out. We'll have more UFC coming up. We'll have more NBA basketball. Um, obviously NFL football. Me and Ryan are gonna pick the division winners. Oh yeah, and why we like those. Hopefully we got Rich and Frankie on for that. But we'll definitely bring more content to you. We appreciate everybody and sticking with us, man. UFC one sixteen. Respect the chat. We out. Peace.